The Christian Atheist is also available on YouTube, and you will find other great content, including the literature I frequently refer to, on our Simple Gifts podcast. If you find our content helpful, consider supporting us through PayPal at RomansChapter5 at Comcast.net. Welcome to the Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode 33, What is an Atheist? Part 6, Conclusion. I began this series in frustration with atheists refusing to stand still and fight. I end it understanding better why they do. Why such bobbing and weaving is necessary. Last episode, we dealt with the thesis of our Hegelian binary, theism. And this time, we will concern ourselves with the antithesis, with atheism. I presented atheism and theism as tendentious movements. And we noted that the ideals by which Judeo-Christian society is structured, those by which we think, are the ideals we ascribe to God. Ideally, then, atheism would be the denial of all that is God, which would include all those attributes. This, however, is not a reasonable interpretation of any atheist I know. This time, then, I want to turn our attention away from the ideal end of the tendency of living as if there is no God, the essence of atheism as denial, to the lived life realities of the position, the actual denial of God that constitutes most empirical atheism. Today's atheism is largely founded upon enlightenment values, and enlightenment values are profoundly informed by Judeo-Christianity, both in form and content. This is not the atheism of someone like Friedrich Nietzsche, who viewed God properly, as constraint of human imaginative will and potential. Nietzsche's atheism was a more profound denial than today's atheists. Nietzsche didn't concern himself with whether or not God exists. He actively denies God either way, much like Cain and Lucifer. There is, though, something to be gained from Nietzsche's notion of revaluing value, as we will see. We live in a shadowland. Light and dark combine in shadow, creating confusion, blurring boundaries, softening distinctions, muddying thought. In this gloaming, our world is constantly in flux. Nothing is ever just itself, but ever and always something else, too. What is, is constantly coming to be and passing away. Nothing is stable and fixed. There are two realms of existence, that of being and that of becoming, and each is ruled by its own logic. The realm of becoming is the shadowland. Its logic is dialectical, the logic of stories, and its logician is Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. Truth, for Hegel, is constantly evolving, constantly progressing, not stable. In a word, truth is relative, 
a mix of light and dark. The realm of being, by contrast, is flooded with light. Uncertainty is banished, and reality stands forth in clear outlines, bold contrasts, and vibrant colors. Being is the realm of absolute truth, and its logic is Aristotelian, with the laws of non-contradiction and excluded middle. Thus, each thing is what it is, and not another thing, the law of identity. In a word, the realm of being is ideal. It is what the realm of becoming indicates, points to, strives toward, the perfection of the imperfect, the clarification of the unclear, the purifying of the impure, the truth that unavoidable error indicates. When we properly understand the realm of becoming, we know that it reflects being, that its very structure as becoming has being as its ideal, its tendency. Our final definition of atheism acknowledges the shadowland of its application. When once we understand this fact, we might even excuse the waffling of atheists concerning the definition of their position. We ended last episode with the question, if atheism is fundamentally a denial of God, what is it that they are denying? We are now in a position to address this issue, however incompletely. And the simple answer to the question is that what atheists deny is transcendence. I will try to explain this in what follows. Western theism has an unfair advantage, it must be admitted. We theists see all of reality as bounded by, sustained in, the transcendent ideal being of the Creator. We see God everywhere and in everything, though admittedly distorted by this mirror darkly, this shadow land that imperfectly reflects truth in admixture with error and sin. The very imperfections of the world, its limitations, thus indicate tendentiously the ideal as transcendent, as beyond this world. The atheist lives in this same world, this shadow land, but he sees it as ultimate reality, with nothing beyond. As in Plato's cave, what theists see as shadows are reality itself for the atheist. What does this mean? Atheism cannot deny the whole of reality, but it can and does deny the tendentiousness. There is no beyond Shadowland to point to, no transcendent pattern to which this world conforms. Everything that is, is imminent. That is, it is not transcendent. This next step in our argument is crucial. The assertion of imminence is itself derivative. It is the denial 
of transcendence. It is a dialectical opposition of transcendence as thesis and immanence as antithesis. We must then ask, however, on what basis is the denial made? This takes us back to what we called last time the problem of value for atheism. Transcendence is, properly speaking, the realm of the ideal, the pushing to perfection of all the empirical value encountered in Shadowland. This is what we call the tendentiousness of value, its indexicality. Value logically points to its completion, its perfection, its ideal. I would argue that this is the only basis upon which a lesser value can even be understood as value. Ideals, then, are values. Alternatively put, the being of value is ideal. We live this reality as human beings. Value is not something we subjectively create, but something we objectively encounter. Though no value thus encounters is itself ideal, ultimate. Our world is valued, and this is true at every level of ontological analysis. The first chapter of Genesis makes this point even from the divine perspective when it tells us that God saw that his creation was good. God did not create the value, but acknowledged his own creation as good. On this understanding, the calling forth of order from chaos is the emergence of value in the creative act. But it is not the creation of value. God does not create value. He is value, the highest good to which all else is subservient. It is this connection between God as being, as ultimate value, as ideal, that in its most fundamental origin, atheism denies. If there is no transcendence, this is because value itself is denied as a component of the real. Value becomes, then, an epiphenomenon, a creation of the subject, of consciousness, itself an epiphenomenon. Value is not explained, but explained away, denied. Value, on this view, is a product of imminence, of process. Like life itself and consciousness, it is accidental to being not part of its essence. The universe has no value. It has energy, protons and neutrons, neutrinos and quarks, stars, planets, and galaxies, but no value. Nevertheless, no one lives as if value is not real. Indeed, no one can live as if value is not real. Life is the pursuit of value. 
there is a position that explicitly denies value. We call it nihilism. But most real-world atheists are decidedly not nihilists and seek to differentiate themselves from nihilism. They do this by embracing value, at least at the level of life, even if they must deny it at the metaphysical level, the level of explanation. This, then, is the clearest expression so far of the problem of value about which I have been talking in these episodes. Theism is the belief that value is the very essence of being. Indeed, life itself generally, and rationality much more particularly, are founded on value, the vector-like directionality that intends. From this, all order and structure arise. Theism, thus, has an ultimate ground for value and existence, for rationality, for science. For if value is illusion, so is everything that is built upon it. If value is merely epiphenomenon, from whence comes the order and structure that characterizes all of creation as human beings experience it? And how is it that rationality a mere accident, a contingent byproduct of purposelessness, has any claim to inform us on truth at any level. Indeed, going back to the most basic question of all, how is it that there is something, value, rather than nothing, lack of value? For this, atheism can have no answer. This problem, then, is as unsolvable an aporia as the problem of evil for theists. But given a choice between accounting for evil in a valued universe and accounting for value, its indispensable importance, its ubiquity, in a valueless universe, I'll gladly accept the former difficulties, which make sense of the whole picture explaining and grounding both existence and human rationality itself as a trustworthy guide in pursuit of truth, rather than declaring everything obscure, contingent, and accidental, and our search for meaning and truth absurd. The existentialists, Sartre among them, at least understood the logical outcome of the position, and honestly embraced it. This, now finally, I do intend as an argument against atheism. And perhaps we can better understand atheistic waffling on the issue of definition as well. Atheism, as ensconced in life, cannot be the sort of global denial that its philosophical position intends that its logic demands when we follow it rigorously. Atheists must embrace value, though they can have no metaphysical explanatory reason to do so. Their reason for embracing value, and good reason it is, is found on the ontological level, the level of lived experience. It is from this level that theists acknowledge the evidence of indexicality that transcendence is real. 
Though, as a matter of explanation of our experience, it is faith, not knowledge. Atheists perforce when accepting the value that all of humanity accept, right and wrong, good and bad, betray their metaphysical commitments. And thank God for that. It is this embrace of what is contrary to their fundamental assumptions that they seek continually to hide from themselves and others in their flight from truth. And no wonder, from those who decry faith, who represent themselves as evidence-based rationalists, as antithetical to faith, we discover at the very bottom of their worldview an explanatory metaphysical commitment that stands opposed to the whole of human life and existence as revealed to rationality and in direct defiance of the most basic evidence of our conscious ontological existence. We have now to understand the atheist's embrace of value in the face of its metaphysical non-existence. It was Friedrich Nietzsche who declared that God's death set men free to invent their values. Sartre echoed this. It is essential to wokeism, the postmodern and structuralist creeds from which it sprang, and finds its contemporary impetus in Hegel. If the atheist position is true, Nietzsche's project should, in fact, be possible, since value is, after all, simply the product of the contingent accident of rationality. If all value is created by consciousness rather than discovered by it, then such creation should be possible. But it is not possible. The values of mankind have remained constant throughout recorded history. There are no new values, ethical or otherwise. There are new orders of value, to be sure, as, for example, in Plato's Republic, Book 8, in which differing constitutions are contrasted by virtue of their reigning value. Oligarchies value wealth above all else. Democracies, honor. And democracies, freedom. Each highest value forms the cultural tendencies that drive the culture and its people. Marxism, socialism, was a new ordering of value, as was fascism. That we have value hierarchies is a result of having values. Rationality seeks order, itself a value, in what it finds. It seeks to prioritize value. This is a function of life itself, and allows for choice as we choose the higher over the lesser value. For the Western theist, the ideal ordering is God himself, the proper balance of values. We could call this ideal ordering of value the way, as it maps out in the shadow realms the best path to follow to reach the highest value, God. In Shadowland, each of us has a different experience, limited by spatio-temporality, culture, DNA, and our specific experiences, interests, beliefs, and knowledge. Each of us, then, 
has the capacity to choose our values, to order them according to our own lights, but never to create them. We began this podcast declaring that our world is Shadowland. The definition we have proposed in this series for the theist-atheist continuum is a definition from within Shadowland, an Hegelian embrace of imminence, and thus a denial of transcendence. What each of us perceives, what we believe and understand, even how we act and live, is necessarily a mixture of light and shade. My contention is that light comes from God, 1 John 1.5, and darkness from his absence, from denial. Socratic ignorance is the natural condition of humanity, as we are creatures of Shadowland, and what light we possess is infected with darkness. Claiming to know more than we can and do is intellectual arrogance, a malady that afflicts theist and atheist, Christian and non-Christian alike. Intellectual humility limits us to faith in almost all epistemic contexts in Shadowland. Psychology, as well as basic human experience and observation, teaches us, if nothing else, that we are a confusion of conflicting forces, motivations, drives, and beliefs, most of which we are ourselves not explicitly aware. Human rationality seeks truth, an ideal, a transcendent, but is often at odds with itself in that pursuit. It is in this realm of shadow, then, that the atheist seeks to make sense of his world. Not embracing nihilism, he embraces value on the only terms it is available, on the ontological level, though he has no transcendental justification for doing so. I would suggest that ethics and value are primary concerns for atheism for this reason. Everything depends upon the value to which they deny transcendental validity. Atheist critiques of theism are invariably value-laden, as we saw in the Christian Atheist podcast number 27, of elevating one value above the others, and judging universally based on the elevation of that value to primacy. These judgments usually take the form of conditional statements. If God created the world, then it would be more well-structured, rational, than evidence reveals it to be. If God created the world, then it would not contain the suffering that it does. If God is love, then he would not allow such injustice and suffering to exist. If God exists then he should have done better at X. Each of these rests on a value judgment, and I am sympathetic with the complaints. I do not understand a great deal 
about God and how and why his creation is what it is and why, in particular, he shows himself as he does in Scripture. But if God exists, it makes sense that I don't understand, as I am a limited being in every sense of that term. If I have faith, however, that there are answers, that rationality is trustworthy, and that value, truth, being, and light are not mere shadows, but realities towards which we can aspire now in Shadowland, and hope to asymptotically approach in a higher realm, I can confidently move forward with the rational project. The theist, then, relies on reason, because reason and value coincide, not in Shadowland itself, but in the transcendent realm indicated by our ontology. Thus, for the theist, the two realms, the Shadowland of ontology, of life as lived, and the realm of metaphysics, agree. For the atheist, however, embracing value at the ontological level must always be at odds with their metaphysical commitments, their explanatory choices, since value itself for them must remain in pure imminence, a contingent and accidental structure of an arbitrary, self-existent, self-contained absurdity. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.